RadioInfluence.com You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everyone. I am Jeff Rochelle, and we're your weekly source for performance information. I am so glad you could join us this week as we dive back into the Crush War on Sugar with Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Anduise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. It's going to be a action-packed show. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, get to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. We answer every single message we get. If you have something you'd like us to investigate, if you need help or some advice, if we don't have those answers, we know somebody who does, and we will get it to you. No question about it. You want to follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Search out Crush Performance, and we will hook you up there. Well, today, getting back into the Crush War and Sugar And in response to your emails and your questions and your messages coming off of our last War on Sugar episode from a few weeks back with investigative journalist Gary Tobbs. Just a fascinating look at the history of sugar in our diet that has brought us to where we are today and the serious trouble we are in. So I'd like to just sort of reset and get an idea of exactly where we're at in terms of the landscape when it comes to sugar, our diet, and our state of health. I think one of the missing links based on all the conversations and messages we're getting with our listeners and also our guests as well, is the true understanding of how foods and fuel operate inside of our bodies. Once that stuff goes in, what exactly happens? I think this is where we're really, really missing the boat. And today I want to clear the air because what we've been doing up to this point hasn't been working. It certainly hasn't been working for our general health. Obesity, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and everything associated with those conditions are at all-time highs. And when we look at our athletes in terms of sport performance, well, there's exciting new breakthroughs that I truly believe are going to allow us to help our athletes achieve at a higher level every single day they compete and train. The problem is we haven't been doing it right up until now. And for the most part, it's because we haven't really understood how our body and the food we consume interact together. And this lack of understanding has prevented us from coming up with good sound solutions. So today, let's turn the page and let's get into the new era of human performance and also health when it comes to the foods we eat and our understanding of how they react inside of our bodies. And there's nobody better to help us get there than our good friend, Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Anduise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute in Washington, D.C. Dr. Allen, welcome back to Crush Performance. So glad you could join us for this all-important conversation. Well, thanks so much. We always have a blast. I'm uh, I'm sort of in a semi-coma from Turkey, 
but um, from the trip to fame, but I think I can stay awake. I, I was wondering as much. I know, of course, we're just through the uh, mighty Thanksgiving long weekend down there, and I also happen to know from very, very uh, reliable sources that you are one hell of a cook as well, not just on the turkey side, but also on the leftover, a little something called turkey gumbo, I believe, and that's something well, I got to get. That, you know what, and that's why I'm practically... Because, you know, that's what you have. That's what we do. You know, after uh, every single person I know or even semi-know is saying, you're making a turkey gumbo, making a turkey gumbo, I might just <laughs> drop by for a little bucket or two of it, you know. But as we all know, tryptophan is going to make you sleepy from the turkey. It's, it's better than, you know, any drug. You eat enough turkey and you're just like, you don't care. You want to go to sleep. You got the sandwich in your hand. But, yeah. So yeah, we did. Our, I did a, like about fifty thousand buckets of turkey gumbo, and everybody's glutted on it for you know anywhere within a five mile radius is glutted on it. So yeah. there we go. That's great, and we know it was a very different Thanksgiving for everybody down there. And you know, we were sending out our Thanksgiving thanks to all of our friends and our uh, oh, colleagues down there. Um, but I'm glad to hear, you know, hearing back from everybody, it turned out to be, yes, a little different than normal, but still a great, great time with family, friends, close friends, and and of course. Yeah. Um, that's just maybe the way through this whole COVID madness that we're dealing with. Yeah, that's all That's all you can do, you know, is a circle of wagons, you know, get some good movies, you know, get a lot of good food, make yourself some uh, turkey gumbo and some nachos, you know, <clears throat> and cheese nachos, which is a demand from my husband and his buds, you know, that got to make that. But you know what's really good? Here's the good news. We got in, in, in the United States, we've come out with two major vaccines that have, you know, I've, I've investigated them as much as I could because people are going to ask me, what do you think? Um, and it, they look really, really promising. They have, not only do they have a high rate of effectiveness in preventing the virus, they're really uh, astounding, but also, you know, what they also do is pre- one of them prevents 100% of the severity if you get the COVID and that's what's killing people, right? That's what's taking people to the severity in different people. And mostly that has to do with their immune system, you know, being compromised for one reason or another, their immune system is compromised. But now we've got two viruses that are, you know, just about to be approved by the FDA. So I'm really happy about that. I'm so excited. It's like, Oh my God, this nightmare is, you know, hopefully going to be over. Yeah. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And after such a, yeah tumultuous, turmoil-laden couple of years here. Um, this is really awful. what we need. You know, it really, truly it's is. awful. And the hardest thing was, like, what, what's amazing, they had to change their entire game plan, scientists did, on how they were going to take on this virus. Because even the new virus, the COVID-19, is already mutating. You know, it's a sneaky little, it's a sneaky little thing. And so for them to figure out, how can we take this thing down? They had to go off of everything they knew about HIV or SARS or throw that in the trash and go, no, this is a different animal. And so they went in a whole different way, um, and it, it was brilliant. The whole technology that they've developed just for this little sucker will be very valuable in the treatment of cancer and other diseases. So a bad thing turned into, hey, like, wait a minute. We're going to use this same methodology in other diseases. And so I'm, as a scientist, I'm excited about that because I'm telling you, these two new, vi- uh, you know, these two new vaccines look like they really are going to kick ass. 
You know, Dr. Allen, it's, it's interesting that you say it that way. That's a, that's a very, very interesting perspective. You know, I think when you look at the bigger picture and the fact that we're getting through this, you know, I was just reflecting the other day, Thanksgiving was coming around and I'm just reaching out to my friends from all over the world um, who come from the U.S. and whether they're expats in Europe or China or, or in Japan and they're over there living mm-hmm. now, um, they're still celebrating Thanksgiving in their own ways. But it got me thinking. You know, in my lifetime, I can't remember a time when the entire world was facing such a challenge. And and and, and yeah. I, I, I'll leave that to you. But but then I started thinking about the conversations you and I have had over the years. There is one other thing that may be as serious the world is facing. We just haven't given it this kind of attention. And that's what the crush war and sugar is all about. You know, for years and years, you and I have been on here talking about you know, the impact of sugars and our diet on our health and wellness. And when we look where we're at in terms of diabetes, obesity, and even Alzheimer's now, well, we're losing that battle big time. I wonder if this will help. You got that right. You yeah. got that right. Did you know that 70%, 70% of the American public, okay, let's just deal with in the United States, 70% is obese Gosh. or exaggeratedly overweight and diabetic. 70%. What does that tell you? Well, scary. I can tell you what it tells me as a scientist. It ain't working, kids. What we're doing ain't working. Yeah. It, it ain't working. Yeah. Hey, Doc, do you think, you know, you mentioned this may uh, produce new frontiers on, on disease research like cancer and, you know, because the globe yeah. was working together and we've been trying to do that before. Yeah. But do you think we might see a, sh- a, a spinoff here? Because, listen, if we don't start tackling those things, diabetes, obesity, um, Alzheimer's and everything that goes all the chronic diseases associated with that, we're in it as much or even more trouble than 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 COVID in in the big picture. I mean, this and is some- I, I, you know what one of the big problems is. I'll tell you what the you know it's going to be real straight with people. Okay, you know more and more scientists are understanding that it's not under our psychological or emotional control, right? And it's like I've told you. I used to you know when I would do lectures, people would say, "Well, what do you think about you know this kind of." you know, contraception or this or da 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 and I said, Oh, let me let me let me explain something to you. Why don't you take a room full of men and tell them not to have sex with their wives anymore for a couple of years and why don't you let me know how that works out? Let me know how that's gonna go for you. Okay? Do, it's tell me how that's any different right. than telling people who are evolutionarily hardwired not to eat. Now, what we do know is it's not coming from the body. The body generally isn't saying the body is not the one running the show, okay? The body is not saying I'm hungry. No, it's the brain going and doing its anal retentive checks into the blood and the tissues to see, hey, wait a minute, I'm getting some low blood sugar here, some hypoglycemia, and I need some fuel, you know, and uh, let me see what I can do here. And so, you know, it starts making you, it forces you to crave really fattening foods. Why? To get your blood sugar up really quick, right? So that you don't fall down on the ground and then you can't feed your brain. So the brain just wants to stay alive. It's running the show. So what we have to incorporate, whether we like it or not, is the understanding that humans don't have the capacity to control their cravings for food. But is is that the end of the story? Oh, hell no, that is not. 
because you can create drinks that satiate the brain, right? To say, oh, we, okay, so the brain is saying, you know, in a scientific tone, the brain is saying, um, I need the correct molecular unit of currency. But really, what we're hearing is, you better give me some food, right? You better right. give, but the scientific definition is, give me molecular unit of currency. So, because I need some intracellular energy transfer. Okay, no, it's not, the brain is not using those words. Okay, those are science words. But it's saying, you better feed me, and I mean now, or guess what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to take your ass down. So imagine when you're really, really hungry, you can't think of anything else but food, okay? And there are certain triggers for food, and then you get addicted to, to the food. Food is addictive, okay? We could go into that for a two-hour show of what foods are addictive to the brain. So the brain says, okay, like, you better give me some more, and then French fries, right? You better give me some more of those crunchy things. Oh, yeah. What are those called? Uh, potato chips, right? <laughs> right. So right now, the things that is most uh, uh, addictive to the brain are sugars that stimulate blood glucose and insulin, all right, and that are the wrong kind of fuel. So if we switch that over to sports drinks, we go, really? If you want performance, you better have the correct um, units of energy going in your body, which is just fuel. And that has to – that can't come from just one place. And that's why in sports drinks, we've said, hey, guess what? The days of sugar sports drinks are over. Guess what, kids? That game is over. Okay, that bus has left the station. We're talking about dual transfer of fuels and dual access of fuels. In other words, here's not just one source. Here's two or three different sources. So the days of putting artificial sweeteners or just putting glucose or glucose polymers, guess what? That game's over. But I'll tell you what, in, in weight management – I'm going to predict, as I did a long time ago, okay, when I started filing patents and doing clinical research in this, is to go, hey, wait a minute. We cannot control a evolutionary and biological craving that comes from the brain by saying, nah, I don't think I'll eat, you know, that entire plate of mashed potatoes. I don't think I'll do that, okay? That, you can see, it doesn't work. But what we can do is, for example, is you can't tell people not to eat stuff. It ain't going to happen. What are you going to do, put McDonald's out of business? It ain't going to happen, right? So, you know, and, of course, men crave cheeseburgers for the testosterone to make babies. That's evolutionary. Don't even try to get over that. You're not going to get over it. Okay, so we have to understand there's a difference between I want to eat food and I have to eat food. Those, those things don't gel. So what we have to do is say, okay, either we create the food system, okay, so that it's not addictive to the brain in terms of dopamine, serotonin, things like that, specifically dopamine, which will make you eat stuff. Okay, a, a dopamine stimulation from a carbohydrate is stronger than cocaine. Did you know that? Yeah. You're just going to take a telecoke addict. Now, you know what? You need to just kick that and get a job, all right? You might as well say that as to say, you know, men don't have sex anymore or to say don't eat. People don't eat. But – you know, that's going to be coming is where we, in the future, where we redo the food. Well, we started out with sports drinks. Let's redo the sports drinks to address, really, the energy transfer that's required for fast action in an athlete, depending on what sport he's in, okay? But just to go back to that, yes, there is something you can do. You can stop eating foods that stimulate dopamine to a high level, okay? 
and stop messing up the, the hormones in your body. But you can create drinks where they drink like in between meals or a half an hour before they think they're going to binge on something that has fuel in it that shuts the craving off. Because look at this. If you tell the brain and show the brain and deliver, okay, you deliver the fuel to the brain, the message shuts off. It's not going to shut off if you don't do that. Right. And that's where we have so much data, like looking even at di diets flat out don't work. We know. Yeah, well, give it up. Right. Give it up. We know. It I mean, just, just look at the numbers. I mean, it's a $70 billion business uh, and weight loss is at 70%. It's not working, Doc. You said it. We're talking with Dr. Ann Deweese Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute in Washington, D.C. You know, you're right, Doc. I mean, not all energy sources are created equal, particularly when it comes to sport performance. And it appears to me that, you know, when we start talking about this stuff, the brain game and, and, and communicating with the brain and pathways for energy and, 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 and molecular energy, selecting molecular, molecular energy. It seems like we've come, it's like a quantum leap in the world of sports science. And, and it's predictive though. That's the thing. This new idea of predictive yeah. science is yeah. so important. To it your follows dog. Occam's razor. You're right. right. Occam's right. razor, predictive ability. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you can do that in science now. You can do that if, you know, the, the only reason we're doing it first, okay, is because we've been doing it for 30 years, you know, when just by accident found out these things over 30 years of board-approved human in vivo clinical trials going, oh, my God, look at this. Like when we studied, you know, artificial sweeteners and we went, oh, my God, what's going on? How could they get fat from this? There's no calories. We didn't understand it, okay? But we kept going until we went, oh, my God, look what's happening. Um, it's confusing the brain and blah, blah, blah. The brain's thinking that you're going to eat 600 times, you know, <clears throat> more sugar than in there are 600 pounds of sugar, for example, which nobody's going to eat. And so it starts spilling out insulin, and insulin stimulates adipose tissue fat storing. So if we look at that and go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. We understand now about um, brain energetics, about fuel partitioning, and let's take this, let's just start here. Let's start, and I did file and get two major patents, you know, on that that have generated over a billion dollars, but we won't go there, <laughs> is to say, okay, I'm going to start now on sports drinks, okay? And, of course, you are my, you're, you're my consultant and my partner on this because I'm, we're constantly consulting on, okay, Crusher, tell me how, you know, what in this sport in baseball. That's what we started with baseball. Let's, let's look about, let's look at the fuel that a baseball player needs and lend in this move to football and gamers and other things, right? To know that we can redesign and re-engineer a sports drink that's not sugar water, that has a predictable value of fuel and a predictable outcome. And I mean improving sports performance. And that's a very strong um, claim to make per CFR 21 FDA guidelines and Deshaies, but we can make that. <clears throat> to say that we can make sports drinks that actually improve your sports performance. That's a very big claim to make. I don't know any drinks that actually make scientific claims, but if you have clinical trials, you can. So working with you has been so invaluable, right? And you and I coordinating on, in a perfect world, how would we create the perfect sports drink and it would have to be sports specific. Oh my goodness. Doc, when we first met years and years and years ago, um, you know, not to age us, <laughs> but um, there were so many things. I don't that know just, about you. I'm still 22. So yeah. I'm, I'm right there that. with you. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's all the mindset. It's all the mindset. Here's the way I 
look at it. If I can still fit into my cheerleader clothes, I'm all right. If I can uh, squeeze my ass into that, <laughs> you're in a good still place. Breathe and still breathe, of course. Yeah, right. Of course, of course. But listen, way back then, uh, and the reason we actually met is because so many things didn't make sense to me, and you had some answers. Yes. And that's where this adventure that you and I have been on has come from. And, and what we've learned in the past couple of decades has been just groundbreaking, alarming, encouraging, uh, and exciting is all get up. And, and I think maybe what I want to do is, is get to a, a, one of the, one of the concepts that, that have really, really helped drive, drive this whole project forward. Cause at the end of the day, we are, you know, focusing on sport performance for our athletes for sure, but the implications are going to go well beyond sport. But, but I'd like to talk yeah. to you. Doc, maybe let's let's let our audience um um in on on the idea of burn rate analysis because really that kind of gives us a really good uh, uh, maybe a framework for everything else that we're going to talk about here because this really does help explain maybe that predictive ability. Well, you're you're so right, and that, you know we were dragged into that area. I mean, most really amazing science is kind of you run up on it, right? And you go, wait, wait, what is this, you know? You're driving your car down the road and there's a 5,000-pound tomato in front of you. Are you going to go around it? You're going to go through the tomato? You're going to go, hey, what the hell is a 5,000-pound <laughs> tomato doing in front of me? Well, okay, so most people would go around it and go, honey, just go around the tomato. we got to go to the grocery store. You know, but scientists will go, what the hell is that tomato doing there? And why is it, do why is it there? Why? So if you, you know, you and, and, and Einstein was a perfect example that he was just obsessed, you know, with finding the answers. And God knows he he's done more in, in the terms of science and astrophysics and physics than, than anybody alive, including Stephen Hawking, Hawking, who I love, uh, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. But, you know, he, he understood it, you know, on such a deep level. And so if you're a good scientist, you get curious and you go, if you bump into something, like we did it in the laboratory when we saw artificial sweeteners or different fuels, okay? We've done research on every fuel, clinical research in humans on this planet, every fuel. I don't care if it was stevia or monk fruit or, you know, what, what we call partial oxidation fuels, you know, that are really not as strong as other fuels. To differentiate how different fuels work, which ones make you fat, which ones make you faster, which ones slow you down. And after 30 years, we have a good, solid platform. And then what we had to do was combine that with, okay, that's science great. I mean, that's science great. So when I told you, I said, hey, Crusher, get a load of this scientifically, okay? And you're like, what? What? Okay. And I said, do you know that we could create natural fuel just by combining? It's called dual fuel partitioning. And dual fuels, dual fuels. Not just one fuel, dual fuels, because yep. some fuels work faster than others. So then, you know, I said, well, it's really the burn rate. And, you know, it's a burn rate analysis. And you said, what? What? Are you? I said, a burn rate analysis of how fuels act in the body from the time they go in the mouth until there's available fuel. There's a, there's a timeline, and you can change the timeline and the efficacy and how fast it works. It it's really is a burn rate. And you went, okay, well, tell me about that. And I said, let me give you an example, a profound example. Even 0.5%, right? If you get a 0.5% increase in oxidation, okay, in, in fuel burn and burn rate, okay, you've done a miraculous job. It's like, oh, my God, how did, you do, how did you do that? But 
what we know now is you can create a fuel for a sports drink, right, that has an oxidation of the number is 30.5%. But if you put glucose, dietary glucose, into that drink, it goes down to 24.5%. So exponentially, you know, it's a massive difference to the body. And wait a minute, I can have a 30.5%. As opposed to a 24.5. So in terms of efficacy, we want a higher number. In terms of how long it takes to work in burn rate, we want a lower number. We want fast oxidation, but we want a high utilization rate, right? Right. No, it makes total sense. Because here's what it does. Here's what it does. It, it, It gives you a wider distribution of fuel into the tissues. And that's what we know athletes need, okay? So what we're talking about is it's really interesting. And people who are just sitting, right, just watching TV, okay, Uh, we're going to see a burn rate, okay, if we give them some really good fuels, if they're not moving. It's about 1% slower and takes longer to metabolize and that's called called energy energy source shifting energy source shifting which is higher in athletes right right so if you can take an athlete who's moving okay or getting ready to move and you got to prep him to move to the you want to do a pre-burn rate analysis like hey how do i drink it now what do i do okay to so you get a a 51.2% fast burn span timeline in athletes. That's huge. That's a major, you know, I was watching a football game last night, and this guy, he looked like a rookie. What They said he was running like 14 miles an hour or something. What the, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, he was, he was, I can't believe these athletes, right? Especially these football players who are huge, but they move fast. Yeah, we've got some incredible times. And here's the interesting thing about that. The the numbers that we're seeing and the size of the athletes are going up almost in unison. And and that's in, that's the incredible thing here. And when we look at and we look at uh uh even our our hockey players on the ice or even what's happening on the snow with our skiers and our mm-hmm. bobsledders, everything is getting bigger and faster and yeah. It, yeah. and one of the big challenges at the start of this was okay, we have those football players and we know what a football game looks like, you know, in an entire football game, NFL football game, talk pros, you know, we know that there's about 11 minutes of actual ball in play time over the course of that 60 minutes of, of, of actual clock time. Inside of that, the amount of activity each player actually has is very, very minute, but you have to be at the highest level of readiness at every single second of that if you're going to compete and be successful at that level. There's the clincher, and it's different from sport to sport. That's why this burn rate analysis and understanding how how different fuels uh, react differently in the body is so critically important. And and up until now, we haven't had this. We haven't had the, well, we had the knowledge, no. but we haven't had the no, tools to use. No, nobody even went there. Nobody even went down that road. No. And by the way, the reason that humans, particularly males, okay, women are getting fatter, but men are getting bigger, okay? That's the way evolution works. And the reason why, just so people will know, it's really interesting, is all of a sudden there was an increase in our evolution of just, you know, fairly recently, where... We ingested a lot more protein, specifically arginine in the proteins, right, which builds muscle. 
and uh, and other nu- nutrients that we've been taking in that that actually build muscle and make you bigger. So it's evolutionary. And, you know, we don't know how big we're going to get. You know, do we get so big that we just blow? We don't know. We could be end up with a race that's, you know, the average person is seven feet tall. We don't know where that's going, but it is, it may just level off, okay? It may level off and go, okay, that's as good as it's going to get. We don't know. But what it does is genetically transferable. So because of this huge increase in protein and nutrients coming into the body, specifically arginine, which is in proteins, uh, we're seeing guys, you know, football guys that are just insane looking. You know, and, and I was, you know, I love, my husband makes me love football. Now I love football. I love me some Tom Brady. I got to tell you, I love me some Tom Brady. But really, kind of Mahoney did kick his ass last night, but I won't go into that. Um, but what you're seeing is bigger and stronger and faster athletes, right, being, being born, right? And then when you train them and give them the right fuel and all that, that you've got this amazing animal. We don't know where it's going to stop. We don't know how big we're going to get or when it'll stop. We, there's no way to predict that. Right. But what you said is right about the burn rate because this, the analysis of the burn rate, okay, which takes into consideration about 20 different factors, not just one. There's not just one how fast does it work, when it gets in the mouth, how, what, where, what glue pathways does it take, all kind of things, you know, in transportation variables go into burn rate. But you can come up with calculations that say, okay, if I put this kind of fuel and mix it with this other kind of fuel that's a slower fuel, one fast fuel or one slower fuel or one that goes, you know, directly into the bloodstream, because fuel partitioning, they go different places in the body. The brain decides it in the hypothalamus, I'm going to put it somewhere, I'm going to sock it away for you, you know, and then you, you don't, won't have access to it. We don't really like that. But the, the the rate, the whole point of the burn rate analysis is that it's a tool for evaluating the timeline and the transcription pathway of the brain-body axis as an energy-producing fuel enters the mouth. So imagine that you can figure that out. So, for example, the neural burn rate of ingesting something orally, anything you put in your mouth, is calculated totally separately from the non-neural burn rate because they have separate transportation variables. So when you design a drink, right, what you're looking for is brain nutrient sensing. So the brain goes, oh, I like you. I know what you are. I'm going to use you right away instead of, oh, maybe I'll put you in the fat cells and good luck getting that out, okay? Certainly, you know, not in the next two weeks you're not going to get out and certainly not in a game. You want fuel now. So brain nutrient sensing is related to energy balance and energy fuel partitioning. So if you want a predictable outcome in designing a sports drink, this kind of data becomes invaluable. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Salen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute, a Crush Hall of Famer. If you guys have listened to the show in the past, you have definitely heard Dr. Allen. And today we're absolutely getting getting after it. Doc, you know, you talk about the neural burn rate as opposed to the the, the, the regular, you know, physical um, uh, physiology burn rate. Um, yeah, yeah. The brain, the idea of the brain-body connection is so, is more is more valid now than it's ever been before in science. And, totally. and, and and when it comes to the energy and how our bodies are functioning in terms of fuel, certainly human performance, but also in terms of metabolism, it is a critical element that to this point, I just haven't heard talked about enough or, or if at all. 
Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, the, the science neuro geeks, you know, and I, I would include myself in that, you know, are in different, are in different fields, right? They're in different fields. So, you know, we, we look at a lot of uh, functional MRIs and go, hey, what's lighting up in the brain? What's happening? How long does this stay in the brain? Right. That is a biggie, okay? The, and that's part of burn rate. How long does it stay in the mouth is a biggie. And we can talk about that whenever you want, but it's, it's going to be a crucial part of a sports drink and sports performances. How long do those recognition receptors stay in the mouth? Because that is going to give an outcome into how fast you're going to get injury and how, how much your sports performance is increased by it. Right. All right. So it's really, it's really crazy to understand you know, the different partitioning of fuels, and that is combining brain energetics, fuel partitioning, right, and the body-brain axis. All those are, are part of the brain and body simply saying to itself, something comes in the mouth, right? And here's the kicker. It don't matter if you spit it back out. In research, you squish around diet soda in your mouth, diet soda, and you spit it back out. It don't matter, it's already stimulated insulin by the receptors on the tongue. It don't matter if you swallow it. Now, with a sports drink, it does matter if you swallow it. But what you want to do is give it a pre-jump start, so to speak, by, by swishing it around in the mouth. If you, if, if you program the drink to do that, right? right, to start telling the brain, hey, let's go. So the brain and body is really saying to you. When you drink something, so let's say sports drink, what is this? Is it fuel or non-fuel? And it has to recognize what just entered the mouth, okay? So the brain views incoming fuel like a sports drink based on hierarchy. So this hierarchy or level of importance is determined by the metabolic value of the fuel, okay? So the higher the value and the more efficient the fuel is regarded as a high-demand fuel is held in high regard by the body. It becomes number one. You're number one out the door. Hey, I love you. So if you don't have the right fuels that convey the message starting in the mouth with the T1R1, T1R2, and T1R3 receptors, to name a few, you can forget it. You're not going to get that fast burn rate. So the burn rate of a fuel entering the mouth and being accepted or not accepted by the brain, including crossing the blood-brain barrier, which it has to do, and then transported to the, the body and various storage parts, including the blood, is determined by the brain's recognition and transport timeline and transport system, such as one or more of the 14 different glute pathways. Right. It's fascinating. You can actually calculate a controlled input equals a specific output by using the this this science. Here's the conundrum. If we look at all the different sports, like for example, getting back to, you know, we were talking about the speed of those wide receivers. I mean, these guys yeah. are running the forties now and you're know, like four two, four two is like the record Gary. now in the NFL. It's insane. Gary. Right. And then four, five. And I used to be a runner, as you know, and yeah. that stuff just scares the bejesus out of me. I'm like, oh, I'm just going, I, I'm, why bother? You right. Know? These guys are so fast and so big. Right. And in the average NFL game, you know, there's 47 to 84 plays per game, you know, on either side of the ball, defense, offense. So cut that in half. And then you take something like baseball. 
Okay, three. The average game now is just over three hours. Um, you know, these guys are running from home to first, depending whether you're coming from the right side of the plate or the left side of the plate. You know, yeah. like four, three, four, four. So they're they're fast. They're fast, but they might only do that three times in three hours. They're totally different animals. Totally different demands. The problem yes. and the conundrum with everything we're talking about here is they're all drinking the same garbage, and it's not doing the right things. And that's where I think you're you're right, Doc. Yeah. We don't know where this is going to go, but we're at a very very exciting time. Well, we know how to do it now. Right. We know how to fix it. Right. That's that's the beautiful part is because we started this research 30 years ago, and we have the research to prove it with human in vivo clinical trials. We do not We do know. Okay. Here's what's interesting. We do know how to do it. We do know how to fix it. We do know how to create a plethora of different uh, energy-related sports drinks, whether it's for hockey or baseball. or They all have to be a little bit different because you're talking about you know, the incoming fuel has to be different because, you know, we've really got different animals out there. So as we've discussed before, you don't give a cheetah the same food that you give an elephant. Okay? Exactly so right. An elephant. And, people, and, you know, people have said to me, when I, when I lectured at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic on stage to 65,000 people, they said, well, what do you mean? Well, there's no elephants in, in sports. And I went, really? What do, you, what do you think a freaking power lifter is? Exactly. He's an elephant right. compared to a long-distance runner or a football player. Put them together, okay? Sure. Our offensive so, linemen. You know, Look I worked at the with Giants. the World Powerlifting Federation for years and years and years, um, many, many years. That was so much fun. <laughs> um, and these are some big dudes and big women, okay? The women weighed 250 and were squatting 650. So, you know, we, we started looking at fuel partitioning back then in the 80s and went, wait a minute, these guys can't be – drinking the same drink and even the same protein drinks or sports drinks as the guys that are on a football team. Cause these guys and the gamers, they ain't moving. Right. So they need different fuel. Oh, such good stuff. And the operative word there, of course, is different fuel, not less of the same fuel or more of the same fuel or more of the same type of fuel. It has to be the right kind of fuel in the right amount with the right accompanying ingredients. And that's the real key here. And that's what we need to get to. Hey, listen, everybody, we got to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Andouise Allen, and we're going to dive into how this actually really works once that fuel enters your body trust me there are serious implications here for our athletes but this will have a reach that goes well well beyond sport all that and a ton more coming up right after this on the crush war on sugar stick around everyone this week's episode of crush performance is brought to you by exogun do you suffer from muscle tension tightness or body aches that don't seem to go away? Are you looking for relief and recovery after a long day or an intense workout? Well, Exogun is a portable and powerful handheld percussive massage device for high impact recovery and low impact deep tissue massage. We're talking about boosting energy and range of motion so you can recover faster and live better. Exogun uses percussive therapy to boost muscle function and accelerate recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid concentrated pulsating strokes. It's all about recovery, readiness, and gaining back control of your body. Revive muscles, boost blood circulation, and release soreness so you can recover faster and not let pain get in the way of your training, your competition, or your daily activities. Recovery is one of the top priorities in all of our programs, including my own. 
Everything we do revolves around the quality of our recovery and the Exogun has become a very important tool in our recovery strategies. And it's more than just recovery. We're using it as part of our activation phase to get ready for training and competition. And personally, I've been using it later in the day, about two hours before bedtime. I've found that it helps me relax and it's really helping me sleep better. Heck, I've woken up in the middle of the night and used the Exogun to relax, recover a little bit more, and to get back to sleep again. The Exogun's been a great addition to our programs and it can be part of your program as well and with the holiday season here what an incredible gift for that athlete on your list and we want to set you up get this for an additional 15 percent off its current sale price go to www.exogun.com backslash crush that's right you could save a total of 460 dollars off your order it also comes with four detachable head attachments and a free carrying case for a limited time only again go to www.exogun.com backslash crush with a k and get 15 percent off the current sale price treat your body right enhanced recovery and relaxation with exogun this is Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information with Jeff Crushell. Get in the action and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and you are listening to the Crush War on Sugar with Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Anduise Allen. Hey, if you want to reach out, questions, comments, smart remarks, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on all other social media platforms. Search out Crush Performance, and we will hook you up there. All right, Dr. Allen, just before the break, you mentioned something that was very, very important. You talked about, you know, people just sitting around the burn rates and how it's different if you're just sitting relaxing. Um, but yeah. you just mentioned a very, very important part of our population right now, especially in this COVID age. There's If there's one area that's booming above all else, it's the esport and gaming world. Now, here's the interesting thing. Yes, they're all sitting there. Yes, they might be a little tense and on edge, but their brains are firing at exponential rates, which also you changes physiology and energy demands, which is incredibly You're exactly right. You're exactly interesting. right. And that's why we need you. And that's why we call you constantly and go, <laughs> hey, what about this, right? No, you, 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 you got it. You're exactly right. You can't, and when we originally saw this is we looked at golfers, okay? Right. Because we developed a, a golfing drink to improve your golf game for the Masters tournament. And they were like, well, how do you do that? And I said, well, okay, you, you really don't want to know, but here, just drink it, right? And it was very, very effective. So we started putting, back then in the 80s, we started putting athletes in categories, power lifters, bodybuilders, uh, golfers. But now we switched under, okay, wait a minute. Gamers, okay? So in the next five years, we said, for the past five years, we've said, okay, wait a minute. Gamers ain't really moving, okay, a lot. So what we found out was if you give a gamer the wrong fuel, okay, or like something with caffeine in it, a lot of caffeine, okay, they're going to get hypoglycemia almost immediately, reactive hypoglycemia, and then they lose cognitive function. Do you know any gamer that wants to lose cognitive function? It's a disaster. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah, okay. Is. So then when we started, you know, I started talking to different, you know, gamer geek friends of mine. And I was like, hey, you know, what are you drinking? And they would tell me, and I'd go, oh, no, no. I'm not going to say the brands. So I know they all know what. And they go, yeah. And then I get all, all, you know, foggy. And I go, well, yeah, you can't do that. So you, you have to look at 
you know, the, the exact fuel needs of that to athletes. So I'm going to call gamers athletes because they really are. I mean, they're insanely good at what they do. But remember, their fuel partitioning has nothing to do with a baseball player or a football player. Uh, on the same if, uh, same angle, if we give the gamer's drink to the football player, baseball, that ain't going to work. Right. Because they're burning fuel at a different rate and in a different way. So if you look at, you know, a hypoglycemic event, which is traumatic, and that's when, you know, you don't have the right fuel and your blood sugar just drops, right? And that's caused by two things. Not having any fuel at all for four hours, usually is the timeline, or having something... Having like a, a glucose polymer or dextrose or something like that that will spike your blood sugar and then it crashes down. That is what we consider in science a traumatic event in the brain. And the brain gets really upset, okay? So what we call that is an empty storage pod cascade, okay? And there are things that trigger that, which in other words, there's nothing in the fuel tank. There's not The car ain't going nowhere. There's nothing in the fuel tank, okay? That is triggered by the hypoglycemia, but it's also triggered by a low-carb diet or a ketogenic keto diet, which is totally contraindicated in fuel partitioning and sports performance. So you can really, you know, you can really determine, for example, in a gamer's drink, you know, you're trying to go after mTOR, and, which is a sensor um, in the body of amino acids and carbs, and Azwitter iron and things like that, which I know you're going to head's going to blow if I talk about hybrid irons, but um, that's what we want to see in a gamer's drink, okay? Right. Which is, you know, and we don't need that in a football player, but in a baseball player, it's a little bit different because, um, okay, if we look at really a football player, right? Like my beloved Tom Brady. Oh God, he lives. He lives. He lives right near me. I might have to go on over he's, there. He's in your backyard now, dog. Yeah, <laughs> he is, baby. Yeah, he is. You know, I gotta say, they screwed up in the first half, but the second half they pulled it together. But Did they ever? They just ran out of time. Yeah, I know. They just had to click in, you know, and yeah. get it going. If that game had lasted another hour, another hour, you know, the Bucks won. But okay, whatever. You should have heard the screaming all over, you know, Tampa St. <laughs> Pete. Good Lord. They were like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so, you know, what we're, what we're talking about is a football. You know, I, I, I love watching the, 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 these, incredible, um, these incredible throws that some of these guys make, like Brady and Mahoney. They're just so accurate. It's like, how the hell did they figure that out? But, see, they have a little bit of time from the time that football leaves them right and we would say a little bit of time in, in the brain world, right? Yes. And then the guy catches it, right? But it's two different guys. One's throwing it, right? And another guy is catching it, right? But in baseball, it's the same guy. He has to see the baseball coming and figure out, am I going to hit this thing? Can I hit it? Do I try to hit it? Or is it hopeless? So you've got two different metabolic things going on, okay, in the brain, where one in football is saying, I'm going to throw it, and but I'm going to throw it, and somebody else is going to catch it. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So that's two different people. Right. But for a baseball player, he's like, oh, boy, here comes that ball. I got to hit it, and I got to see it. So he's doing one thing, and the football player, in terms of uh, nutrient sensors and how fuel is used in the brain, it's really two different activities. Right. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Salen, Crush Hall of Famer, Dr. Andrew Salen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. You know, you really made me think of something there. You're talking about 
you know, we talk about the gamers. You mentioned fuel tank right there, and it just sparked. I don't know if you saw it on the news here last week, but at one of the F1 uh, races, uh, there was a severe crash at 211 oh, kilometers yeah. an hour. Oh, the, yeah. The oh, car, God, I saw the, that. Oh, the car split God. in half, and he walked away. Thank goodness. He walked away. Yeah. He walked away. If but, you'll remember, I used to be the sports nutritionist for Michael Andretti. Well, this is what got me thinking, Doc. Here's the thing I'm going to throw at you right now, okay? And that's what Uh got me thinking about this, because you and I have talked about uh, your time with the Andrettis uh, extensively. So we have a gamer sitting there playing a game, and he's watching his screen playing a game, and there's no real-life consequences there. But now you've got an F1 Formula driver in a car controlling that beast at a 200 11 kilometers an hour, you know, 200 miles yep. an hour. Uh, yep. And there are real life consequences here. You All cannot fail I've here, right? Them. I've seen them, baby. And, and you just made me think about the Andretti story and how incredible this is. But now you have the, look, here's the difference. A gamer sitting there watching a screen and the way your brain perceives that screen and the action on that, that 2D uh-huh. screen is totally uh-huh. different than the 3D world of uh, formula car racing where the world is zipping by. Yeah. So the brain yeah. energy, yeah. In, in, yeah. th- though the gamer might be driving a, a race car on his screen, uh, the F1 driver who's driving that race car has so much more going on. That brain is like sucking up energy. Right. You got it right. And I tell you another thing that we saw that was shocking to me, okay? When I worked with Michael Andretti and John Andretti, and, you know, John Andretti did really, I was so proud of him, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, he won some major titles, but, um, you know, they, they here's what happened. The Andretti family, all three of them, right? Michael and, you know, those guys, okay. They actually have diabetes in their family, type 2 diabetes, right? And they actually met me because when I was working with Mr. Universe Ron Coleman, and he was training Michael Andretti. And so Michael went, you know, I kind of get dizzy when I'm ready. He goes, no, you got to talk to the doc. All right. So they actually flew me up there to meet with, you know, the family and all that guy. And I said, uh, I said, look, I don't really understand this sport too much, but I don't think you're, you know, you're, you're, you're burning that kind of fuel. And he, go, he of course, he goes, he, you know, he's thinking about him talking about the car. But, you know, the, the thing was that he goes, he goes, no, you have no idea how many calories we burn driving the car. And I go, what are you talking about? Right? Right. She says, well, let me give you a ride. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell to the no. I got me this red high heels and this, oh, no, I'm not getting in that car. All right? He goes, I know how to drive. Okay, good. But really what happens is if you really look at what they're doing, I was astounded, is that the vibrations in that car, okay, it's not like driving around, you know, Range Rover, okay? You get in those cars and they vibrate like crazy. And you have to hold your hand on the wheel and you have to be really strong. And you're, I had no idea that those guys' muscles went through what they did, and they were losing fuel out of their muscles, right? Right. And and then you put it on top of that that the Andretti family, you know, has uh, a problem with prediabetes and whatever. So they were having reactive hypoglycemia from drinking certain drinks in the car. And I said, it's what you're drinking that's causing you because, you know, your, your blood sugar is not really great. And so I said, well, can you fix it? I said, yeah, but this is really a dual problem. You need dual fuels. And he goes, what do you mean dual fuels? I said, okay, look. You're using your brain to an immense capacity. I mean, the light, okay, they, he was going 220 miles an hour, you know, the, in the car the day I met him. And so was John Andretti. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, just right? flying, and yeah. You have, it's, it's a microsecond. But on top of that, 
their whole body, every muscle in their body tenses up, right? And then you have a potassium problem, you know, um, which can make you be really, really weak. You have a cramping problem. You got their muscles are going crazy. I had no idea that their muscles were reacting like that and their brain. So I created a drink for him to drink and that solved the problem. But the interesting thing was I got a call, a hysterical call uh, from he and his wife one day and they said, our brother John Andretti just went, hit the wall going 220 miles an hour. His feet went through his knees. They say he'll never walk again. Okay. And that's when they got, you know, I said, oh my God, let me, you know, oh my God. So that's when they got really serious about the right fuel in their bodies. But that, we learned a lot from that. Is it just, and I'm thinking they're just sitting in a car driving, you know, like they're driving around a rail, like I said, a Range Rover, and they're just driving a Jaguar. No, it's nothing like that. Their whole body and all their muscles were strained to the maximum capacity, even more so than a power lifter. Yeah, and if you're not fueling that brain the right way at the same time, because now you have this epic battle inside of the body, right? The brain is requiring the Big most time. energy out of anything. Oh, God. But, but then yeah. your muscles are also requiring energy. And if you're not sending the right message, here's, here's another conundrum. Here's another curveball in the formula. If you put in the wrong, the wrong, the wrong fuel, now the it's body good. has to decide whether, okay, this fuel or too much fuel Excess yeah. fuel has to be stored now because it doesn't sit. It doesn't sit around and do nothing. Right. So now you have this. That's exactly right. Right. That's so exactly now you have this epic battle inside the body. The brain is screaming yeah. for energy. The muscles are screaming yeah. for energy. And now because you have fuel the wrong fuel and too much, um, yep. your body wants to store it. And what a what a conundrum. That's the that's a that's a metabolic a cascade of metabolic. A nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's no, a nightmare. You're, you're totally right. And that's when you know. When you and I met, we started talking about it. I was saying, like, look, here's what we already know, that, you know, golfers shouldn't have the same fuel, but they're still in the category of who would ever would think you'd put a golfer in the same fuel partitioning category as a bodybuilder or powerlifter, but you would, right. okay? Right. You would, okay? And then I'm looking at race car drivers, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, it's 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 such a different metabolic message and metabolic requirement for each athlete that I'm thinking, you can't just have one sports drink. It makes no sense. I love your analogy of the cheetah and the elephant. That sums it up really, really well. I mean, they're not the same animals. They don't eat the same fuel because that's not how they operate, right? I mean, that's just, and the, and athletes in sport are very, it's this almost a parallel analogy right there. And you know what? And, and, and you know, a lot of us were running with Frank Shorter back in the day when he won the gold medal. Who knew he'd win it, right? But the thing was, if you've ever seen Frank Shorter, okay, in Gainesville, he was skinny as could be, you know, and I'm thinking, and, you know, really, you know, we were saying, this guy, he's going to the, you know, Olympics, and, and oh, the dude won the freaking gold medal. Right. And I thought, he looks like he can't crawl across the road, what is his, you know, and I'm thinking, what is his fuel partitioning? What is his source? He doesn't have a lot of muscle mass. He doesn't have a lot of body, body fat. What's he running on? What, well, you know, what the hell is he pulling from? So, you know, we started looking at, this is more complicated than we ever thought. So, you know, then over the years we said, you know, after talking to you, about different athletes, because that's not my area, that's your area. You're the best in the world at what you do, Crusher. Don't even try to get out of it. You're just the best in the world at what you do. The best, number one in the world, okay? So we would say, okay, look, 
we're, we're looking at, you know, doing some uh, burn rate messaging and making more efficient metabolic messages and fuel recognition and um, brain energetics. And you said, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. So, you know, it, it has actually taken us working with you for 15 years yeah. to be able to make all the different uh, metabolically desirable sports drinks. And, and really what we had to do somewhere in there about five years ago, you know, uh, all of us scientists, you know, said, okay, look, this is what we're going to have to do. Um, and I said, okay, okay. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to make sense out of this? Um, how do we make this happen and turn into real products, you know, turn into real science? I said, okay, well, I said, it, it, it's like computers. We got to recode it. Right. And they looked at me like I was stark raving insane. And I said, no, no, seriously. It, it, I said, don't, you know, computer programmers, he's coding. They go, yeah, what's it got to do with it? I said, because the brain is analog and digital, like a computer. It is analog and digital. So if we code the brain, right, if we code the brain to develop the, give it the right metabolic message, okay, and you code it to direct sport specific results, then you realize that the sugar water days and sports drinks are over and there's a more efficient metabolic message sent and received as to fuel recognition of partitioning through coding the drink. Oh. When you all you have to do is act like the brain is a computer. It is analog and digital. And if you talk to the computer on that level and give it what it wants, okay, to notify what you're trying to say to the brain, hey, hey, Mr. Brain, guess what? Incoming, incoming fuel, right? But if there's no incoming fuel, he says, screw you. I'm going I'm to fix you now. Now you're really going to, I'm going to take you down, right? right? So no, no, Mr. Brain, we're not tricking you. We're not trying to trick you. No, we got real fuel coming. Well, okay, so what you have to do then is the objective is to notify the brain-body axis, right? to activate these what are called specific receptor proteins on the neurons of the brain, right? And these receptor proteins are related to nutrient ingestion and participate, partitioning. In other words, where does it go? Where's the fuel going and what fuel is it? And we went, okay, one kind of fuel ain't going to work because the body wants one kind of fuel, but the brain wants another kind of fuel. Exactly. Right? Yes. Okay. And then you've only got a very short half-life in terms of recognition, oh my God, um, you know, we in science we deal with half-life all the time, okay? The half-life of this, the half-life of that. All right, but I didn't ever knew we would have to deal with half-life in creating a sports drink, right, in terms of receptor recognition. So then what you have to do is you have to create, you take all that data, right, and you develop receptor recognition compounds that are sports-specific. Boom. Exactly. And the coding is the key to everything. And coding just, is the key. Yeah. And just Fuel, for our, that's it. Yeah. That's just, it. just for our listeners, this is a really good summary because this is one of the most important concepts because this is what takes us beyond sport. Sport's just our platform yeah. right now, but yeah. this takes us yeah. to the real world of obesity, diabetes, Alzheimer's, yeah. and all oh, the all yeah. the yeah. so the coding lets the brain know there's something coming. It's like early warning signals, right? Boom. Hey, incoming, yeah. incoming. In other words, incoming, incoming. Right. It's no, like it's like on MASH when it, the helicopter was coming. Radar. It's like radar okay, with so look, look at recognition. The helicopter hadn't landed yet, had right, 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 with the with the with the soldiers in it that needed right. to be fixed, right? It was hovering in the air. 
It hadn't landed yet. I love it. So let's it. think of that that helicopter, right? Yeah. Okay. In terms of burn rate. Right. So it's as if b- before the helicopter lands, the surgeons would know that the helicopter's coming. I love it. Right. And that's what these receptors in the mouth do. Right. They say, is that an incorrect fuel? Or is it because an incorrect fuel substrate equals inefficient energy delivery and sports performance, okay? Right. That's fuel coding. So just think about it in MASH when the, when the, the, the helicopter is hovering, but they see it coming. What do they do? They prepare for it to land. They get ready right. to do surgery. I love this. So it's like that. Yeah, and then they do triage, and they find out, okay, this injury, this injury, this, this injury. Guy. This guy well, goes to emergency. Said, oh, it is triage. It it's, is triage. It, exactly. Holy cow, I it's love this. Fuel. And guess what? It's fuel triage. I love that. Holy cow. MASH, who knew? MASH is one of my favorite shows, but exactly. So they it's hear the helicopter's triage. coming. That, you're exactly right. Yeah. See, that's what I love about you. You always get it. Yeah, and um, I, I, I but, like you know, that, okay, let's let's give the example. The helicopter, right, that hasn't landed yet, but they go, incoming, right? right? Exactly. Is the mouth. The helicopter's the mouth. Right. It hasn't landed yet in the body. It's just in the mouth. But it but the mouth says, incoming. Right. Now, if it doesn't have if it doesn't recognize the fuel and know how to use it really quick so that the athlete can get some, you know, an efficient performance, okay, and improves sports performance, then the, the then then the game's over right there. Yeah, you're not Starting ready. In the mouth. You're not ready for over. the helicopter to land. You're just not ready right. for the helicopter so, to land. So here's what it is: the helicopter landed in the mouth, right? But there are no soldiers in it. Ah, oh, gotcha. There's nobody right. in it. Oh, that's even better. Nobody home. That's nobody even home. Right. So it, it's exactly like that in the body, okay? And uh, you know. That's the way that sports nutrition is. It has to go to that yeah. plane right there to say we have to deal with this. Not let's put some damn sugar in a bottle and drink it down, and we don't even know what the result is going to be. That's oh, those things are over. It's yeah. over. What's what's now is trigger triggering the signal mechanisms which result in performance boost, and you can see that in brain scans. Because guess what, crush. This is science, not conjecture. Yeah, amen to that. Dr. Anduise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute in Washington, D.C. Crush, Hall of Famer, without question. Um, Doc, listen, this has been an unbelievable conversation. I really think that we have laid the groundwork for um, the conversation that people need to hear moving forward. And, you know, just getting back to your comment, you know, I have a hard time saying I'm the best in the world, but I will tell you this. I, yeah, I, but I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some great people out there. Here's what I can tell you, though. I am as curious as anybody out there and I want answers and I just, we just don't stop until we find those answers. And, and that's one thing that I, that I found has really, really served me well. And at the end of the day, you know, this all started when a group of my pro athletes came to me and said, Hey, look, we need options. Are we doing the right thing? Are we really, really at the highest level of readiness? And of course the lowest hanging fruit for us was, okay, certainly sleep and all of that. The training was exceptional. I believe at that time we had, if not the best program in the world, one of the best, um, Absolutely. the nutrition Absolutely. though, doc, the nutrition, I just had a feeling, a gut feeling. And that's what led me to you. Here we are. This is 18 years later now, 15 years into our hardcore research. And we're really, really in a good place. Is there a more exciting time than right now when it comes to human performance doc? I, I can't imagine it. No, I love, I'm, I listen, 
you know, any any of the other scientists that I talk to about this, they go, oh, my God, this is the most fascinating thing ever. We want to be in that team. We want to play, you know, because this is really cool. But, you know, let me let me give your listeners who I'd love to hear some feedback, really crush from the listeners yeah. for questions they might have. Or, Let's do hey, it. Talk about this next time or talk more about what you just talked about. But let me just give you some facts, okay, about this brain-body axis crosstalk, okay? Here is a fact. Athletes can increase their endurance time by 20 minutes longer by the pre-selection of the appropriate metabolic fuels taken before exercise. Conversely, conversely, selection of the wrong fuels slows endurance time by 20 minutes. Those are profound differences, and those are facts. Huge numbers. Absolutely huge, huge numbers. Yeah, because we we try to you know if we if we can change things by times by a minute, okay, we're happy. But this is not a minute. This is plus twenty or minus twenty. Which do you want? Right. And when we're talking baseball, receiving a football, driving a Formula One, hitting a golf ball, we're talking milliseconds, 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 milliseconds. And, and we've got to be yeah. on it. You've got to be on it. And that's yeah. where I think this yeah. fine tuning, this place that we're at right now. You're right. It's a new era. There's a new. There's a new um, era of sport performance nutrition. And, Doc, just, just as we wrap this yeah, up. Guess what it's called? Fuel follows function. I love it. Fuel follows function. Doc, Dr. Allen, hey, before we let you go, this has been an incredible hour. But before we let you go, I do want to set the tone here. I think, again, we've done a really good job today of setting the groundwork for a continued discussion. Um, we're definitely going to encourage people to write in feedback. What do you want us to talk about? What do you want help with? Let us know. We answer yeah. every single yeah. message we get, every single one from around the world. There is not a message we have not responded to. So please do write to us with your questions um, if you need help. Uh, but Doc, we've been talking about the but world. You know, hey, one more thing I want to say. I think, yeah. you know, one thing we want to address and that I think will be helpful to people next time Yeah, is that with all the science that we've talked about today, a label won't help you. Good call. A label on a sports drink, a label on a protein drink, a label, it won't help you. It tells you nothing about fuel partitioning. You look at a label, that can not tell you anything about fuel partitioning. No. A calorie is not a calorie, okay? It used to be, oh, calorie's a calorie. That's crap. A calorie is, is a calorie violates the second law of thermodynamics, okay? A calorie is not a calorie. So just saying, oh, here's the calories. Here's what's in it. That Do you really know what the biochemical response of a steel isolate is? No, you don't. They don't tell you that on the label. But what we need to do is we need to tell people what is the what the dual fuels are, how they're going to act, why they act that way, and what are they, identification of these dual fuels. Right. So people can look on the label and go, okay. I want to see, I want to see the guy that's going to go head-to-head with the second law of thermodynamics. Come on, bring I, it I, on. No, no, you let's, don't even, let's no, play you that game. Know. You know what my favorite thing on stage is, which I spent 30 years on stage, right? Yeah. When I lectured at the Tokyo Convention Center, it was 100,000 people, right? And believe me, try getting a Japanese people ask you, oh, Dr. Hannes! What did what make your head big? What? Uh, I love the I love the Japanese people so much. Again, they're so sweet. Anyway, so I was just begging. You know what? You know what? When I was one one name one of the top nutritionists in the world by Newsweek magazine, they stuck me up in the stage with ten doctors and Atkins is one of them and a bunch of. And I was begging. I go, please, somebody say a calorie is a calorie, and I was going to rip them a new one. <laughs> In terms of violating the thing, I've said, 
Please, somebody ask me that. But they nobody would ask me. <laughs> they knew better. They knew it was on the other they side of that. Ask it. <laughs> yeah. No, no question, Doc. But hey, that does that does take me to uh, my last sort of comment here before we let you go. Um, listen, we again, we've been talking sport here, and it's a beautiful world to be in. It's so measurable. We've got a lot of great data from our athletes and a ton of feedback from from our athletes in the field, and that's what's also helped drive um, our direction here. But um, there's implications here beyond beyond sport. Doc, you know, we're at a troubled time right now. Um, yeah. There's a headline that just came out that I want to share with everybody. I've kind of talked about it before, but um, it's really got me going. Uh, there's states in Mexico right now that are working to ban sales of junk food to youth. So if you're 18 or under yeah. in some of these states in Mexico, um, you can't buy junk food, you know, sugars, simple carbohydrates, all the crap out there uh, without a parent. And of course, um, some of these states are the epicenter of obesity in Mexico, which has the highest rate of obesity in the world. Yes, uh, yes, it does. Yeah, it does. And, and so, you know, we have new guidelines coming out of the U.S. as well, recommendations to drop from 10% of calories, daily calories from added sugar to 6%. We know that formula doesn't work. I know, but that's not going to help. That's right. not going to help. Exactly. It's the type. Because every single sugar reacts differently in the body. Right. Some of them go into the fat cells and some don't. Right. So, you know, it's ridiculous. And you can create fuel, Right. Wherein 99% of that fuel turns into energy and doesn't go in the fat cells. You can preclude that by down-regulating lipoprotein lipase and neuropeptide Y and blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know the answer is you can't fix it until you code it. Food is the same way. You can't look at a label and see if a snack food's fattening. Let me tell you, you know one of the most fattening foods on the planet is a rice cake. Right. Exactly, Doc. And, and I, a rice cake. Yeah. That is not considered a naughty snack food. You might as well eat a Twinkie. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. So and on, yet, on hey. packaging, so I know they're trying to do good, but until packaging says this is the way it's going to metabolically act, this will make you fat, this won't make you fat, this goes in the fat cells, this doesn't, that gives you energy, they're not there yet. So they're trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, what? Have your children stop drinking fruit juices. Stop juicing things. Stop giving them bananas. Well, right. you know? Yeah. There's some, that the snack foods aren't going to fix everything if what they're eating at home is making them fat. Right, Doc. Remember, obesity begins in the womb, depending on the progenitor fat cells that are, just, that are created by the fuel the mother eats while she's pregnant will determine if you're going to be a fat 35-year-old. Yes. And that, that, uh, our good doctor, um, that Dr. Allen is maybe a conversation for our next day, but the message yeah. I want to send <laughs> here, the message I want to send here about the coding and everything we just talked about in the last 45 seconds to a minute is the fact that yes, we are incredibly passionate about our, our athletes and, and sport for sure. That's the ground we work right now, but listen, we have our eye on the big picture and, and we're coming for it too, doc. Listen, um, we got to let you go. Russia, let me tell you something. Let me yeah. tell you something. Yeah. How about in board approved human in vivo clinical trials, you can create ice cream and candy wherein an apple is more fattening than a bowl of ice cream or chocolate candy. How about that? That's what I'm talking about. And that in gets, clinical it, trials. In clinical trials. And that gets back to your conversation about recreating the food chain because diets aren't working. If it doesn't taste good, it's not going to work. No, so it let's, ain't working. Let's, let's make, turn on the television. Right. And you know what's interesting about what you said is that what we're, what's happened now is people in the 80s, 90s, oh, they were all exercising, you know, and Pocoroba's going on crazy shit. 
and the, okay, now we're going to go on diets. And finally, the human race has said, that's it. We give up because nothing's working. No, because they're, they're doing the wrong things to try to make it work. Okay? It's not going to work that way, and we see that. So now people have given up. If you watch television, women in particular, men too, but mostly women, have gotten fatter and fatter and fatter, and they're wearing spandex, and they don't care anymore. So that's where our, our you know, the evolution ha has come to. Gee, um, if we don't eat a lot, we're going to starve to death, too. Okay, now we're nice and slim in the 20s. And then, you know, we moved into the 80s. Oh, no, we got to exercise and lose weight. And then, you know, oh, we got to go on diets. And now it's come to, I don't care anymore. Yeah. They and don't care anymore. Let's just get fat and wear spandex. We don't care. We don't care for fat. They don't care anymore because they figured out nothing works. Um, circle back to the start of this conversation where you said it's not your fault. It's out of your right. control. And, yeah. and that's where we're at. It's it. We're in, right. we're, they don't, you don't control it. You're not controlling yeah. it. Yeah. So we've got some very important work to do. We've been working at it, everybody. And this conversation is part of the knowledge share. Uh, we're going to have Dr. Allen on hopefully once a month here. So please get to us your questions and uh, let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, if you need us to go deeper into any of this, we will do it. And Dr. Allen, listen, I just want to take this moment to uh, thank you for all that you've done, all your work and all your sharing and uh, all the excitement that we're, we've created here, working together here over the last 15 years. I cannot wait to see what 2021 has in store, but it's going to be uh, epic to say the least. Thanks, Crush. And I can't wait to hear back, you know, from your radio listeners to see, you know, what sparked them, what they want to know more of, you know, we'll give them what they want, you know, tell us what part interests you. We'll focus on that. But, uh, I, I, I just have the most fun working with you. You're just one of the most intelligent and amazing human beings I've ever met. And your family's very lucky to have you because you're just a one of a kind and your contributions to the science project have been completely invaluable. Oh, Doc, I can't tell you. That is, uh, that's a quid pro quo right there. This is a ditto right back at you. It's been fascinating, and I can't wait for the next chapter. So, everybody, until we meet again, Dr. Andrew Allen, uh, much appreciate your time today, and I cannot wait till our next conversation. All right. Take care. Oh, there you go, everybody. How about that? Yes, this one is not just worthy of a re-listen. It's probably worthy of one or two reviews with a notebook and this is also something I think we need to start sharing with our friends and family because this message is just too important now based on where we're at and where we need to go. Again, I have to thank Dr. Andrew Allen, uh, Crush Hall of Famer, for joining us and sharing that great information. More conversations to come. And a lot of these conversations are going to be based on your feedback. What do you want to know? What would you like us to explain further? Where would you like us to go deeper? Or is there something you want to know about that we haven't talked about yet? Let us know. That's what's going to drive these conversations. Again, such a great partnership we have with our audience. Again, we really take it upon ourselves to challenge you guys and get you thinking about things that you might not have been thinking about before. But at the same time, you guys with your questions, comments, smart remarks, you get us thinking. You guys know how it works. You get into your bubble, you're in your lane, and you get a mindset, you get a, a train of thought, you get ideas and people around you. And sometimes it's hard to see beyond that, especially when you're in the fast lane, like we all are. And that's why the sharing is so important. So please reach out. Again, crushperformance.com. 
is the email. Subscribe to the podcast, the newsletter, follow us, and give us your questions, comments, and smart remarks because we love them all. All right, everybody, that'll do it for this week. Coming up, we're into December. Hey, it's the holiday season. And we're going to be talking gifts for the athlete. We're going to be talking about the COVID shutdown. And we're going to be talking about what's on the other side in 2021, which is going to be a banner year for us all. Let's make it so. So until next week, get out there, stay safe, have some fun, and go get better. Talk to you then. This is a Sitting Ringside with David Penzer Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week on Sitting Ringside, I am joined by La Champion, the demo god, the one and only Chris Jericho. Well, I mean, he's one of those guys. It's uh, uh, unbelievable to think that Undertaker and Jericho never had a single match on on pay-per-view. And I think we only had two single matches on TV ever. And the first one was after I'd been there maybe 10 years or so. We just never crossed paths. He was always like on SmackDown when I was on Raw and vice versa. You know, the matches, the one single match we had was, was great. We had, you know, a great Elimination Chamber match and a couple other great kind of multi-team matches. But we never had that great singles match, which is one of those things that it kind of it's kind of blows my mind that that was never booked. Because he's another one of those guys, like I just mentioned with Frankie and Chris, the first time I ever locked up with him was I'd already been in the business for 20 years. Um, and I couldn't believe how good he was. And obviously, it's not a secret how good he is, but I'd never experienced that. I think he felt the same way. And, and just I, I just can't believe that that never led to us doing something more involved. But um, definitely behind the scenes, one of the, like I call him the fonts because he's, he's the epitome of cool. And he's also the epitome of a guy who, you know, when, when time comes, he can, he can, you know, get the lay the hammer down and, and get the respect and, and get things in order, kind of like the fonts. Cool it, you know, hit the damn jukebox and it stops making noise sort of thing. And that's kind of the Undertaker. Uh, everybody respects the Undertaker. Guys like to consider themselves locker room leaders. A lot of guys even claim to be locker room leaders. No real locker room leader says that they're the locker room leader. They just are, and everybody knows it. And I don't care if you're, you know, JBL in the height of being a bully or, you know, Brock Lesnar or, or Triple H or, or whoever it is, the buck kind of always stops with The Undertaker. Sitting Ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.